0: Does this sound for a career path? Selling music speakers out of the back of a van, to launching one of the internet's first fully functioning e-commerce websites, to New York Times best-selling author with a lot of business endeavors in between. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Live Your Best Life with Liz Bruner. I'm Liz, and the man you're about to meet is often called the reinvention expert. Steve Ulsher has reinvented himself over and over again and believes that we are all born to do something amazing in this world. We just have to figure out what is our what. Steve Ulsher, welcome to my podcast.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: You have made it your mission to help people discover what is their what. You got to share with our listeners what exactly you mean by that.
1: It's, uh, it's kind of a, a fancy way of saying basically what, what is it that truly puts fire in your soul? I mean, how, another way to think about it is how do you identify the way in which you are naturally wired to excel? Ultimately, that is what you'll find in the answers there is the what is your what framework and all of the things that we do through that training. So the question is, what is your what? And the answers will help you figure out what puts fire in your soul.
0: And in your book, What Is Your What?, you write, quote, your what isn't something you choose, your what has chosen you. And you outline three steps to help people sort of figure out what they're chosen to do. Can you briefly outline what those three steps are for us?
1: The bottom line is really first and foremost, it all starts with just simply wanting to figure out what it is. And, and so far as if you think about a, a light switch, you know, a lot of people go through life with that light switch off. Just never really having awareness that perhaps there, there is something that they are naturally wired to excel at. Their DNA is wired to excel in, in very specific ways. The first step is you gotta turn on that light switch. You wake up one day, and, and my friend Brendan Burchard talks about from the standpoint of usually change happens when something new comes into our world, like maybe somebody dies, you get fired, or COVID-19, or whatever it is or something new comes out of you. That's typically what the impetus is for somebody to step up and say, you know what, I want more. There has to be more to this life, there has to be more to this world, there has to be more to this existence than what I'm currently experiencing. That's step one, turning on the light switch. With the light switch off, none of this conversation even matters. But when that light switch goes on, it's really hard to to turn it back off before you figure out the answers to the questions. Step number two is going through the process of discovering what your what is and and being able to answer the questions that tie into the what is your what framework and so far as having clarity on what is my core gift and what is the primary vehicle that I will use to share that gift with the world and then who are the people that I'm most compelled to serve. It's a combination of the gift, the vehicle, and the people that make up the what is your what framework and so step two is being able to get the answers to those questions. What is my gift? What is the core vehicle I'll use to share that gift? Who are the people that I'm most compelled to serve? And then step three is sharing your what with, as I call it, strategic abandon and doing whatever you can to reach as many people as possible in whatever jurisdiction, part of the world, or maybe globally as you're you're compelled to do.
0: Do you believe that we're only born to do one thing though? Because, I mean, you've certainly been successful at a number of different ventures and I've reinvented and recreated myself a few times. So is there only really one thing?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And so as you look at the what is your what framework, here's what I believe to be true. And if you look at the cover what is your what, you'll see that the only graphic element on there is a DNA strand. What I believe to be true is that the one amazing thing you were born to do could simply be translated into discover the one amazing thing you were born to do for now. The reality is when I put together this whole what is your what framework, and then we use the the DNA element there for the cover and whatnot, what I'm really referring to in so far as and as you said, you know, your what has chosen you. It's not that what you have chosen. Your your gift has really chosen you. So I do believe that your gift remains static throughout your entire life. So you're either a teacher or a healer or a communicator or an enroller or a protector or entertainer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that core gift does stay static throughout your life. So in that case, yes, there is one amazing thing you were born to do insofar as your gift is concerned. Maybe you're a healer. You're gonna be a healer throughout your entire life. What is more organic, what is more fluid, what is more malleable over time, are both the vehicle that you use to share that gift and the people that you're most compelled to serve. So what you'll find, as you said, I mean, you've reinvented your life, you've reinvented your career over years. In each of those iterations, if, you, if you're being sufficiently honest about the process, you'll probably be able to say with, with certainty that my gift remained the same in those different endeavors. The vehicle that I used to share that gift and the people that I was serving in those moments changed.
0: Yeah, I think what often happens, and perhaps you can address this too, is the challenge sometimes past the identification process is the fear, the fear of change, the fear of disapproving of others, of feeling stuck because of legitimate responsibilities and reasons sometimes that people have in their lives. How does one overcome that to follow their what? And how did you overcome any fears that you had?
1: Yeah, I don't think you ever actually overcome fear. Fear is just a natural part of who you are. And even the people who say they're fearless, they're, there are things that they are afraid of. It just might not be jumping off of a cliff and going cliff diving or, you know, doing bungee jumping or whatever. But there are other things that scare them to death. Maybe it's opening themselves up emotionally and actually having a deep connection with someone. As a human being, fear is a natural emotion, as is happiness, as is sadness, as is any of the other emotions that we feel. The question is, how do you manage fear? There's a lot of acronyms out there for fear. I use the acronym of forget everything about reality. Because what I do believe to be true is that when fear takes over, it's oftentimes because we've just simply forgotten about reality. and We've created this picture in our minds of what we think is going to happen. Realistically, things never go as, as, as badly as, as you think they might. And they never go as, as good as, as you're hoping for them to go. And so it's always going to be someplace right there in the middle. And I think what, what ends up happening is when we try something and it doesn't go to plan and we realize what, let's just say, weak-minded people term as failure, it tends to jade us, right? And, and so we get a little gun-shy. And the reality is that failure doesn't exist. It's just one of those terms of ignorance that those weak-minded people like to throw out at those who dare to soar and attempt to bring them down. There's a reframe around that that you can do that I choose to do, which is looking at what others might term as failure as just simply looking at it as success with an unintended ending. If you can just look at those endeavors that didn't exactly go to plan or those relationships that maybe didn't work out or whatever it might be, there's something that we can learn from all of those experiences, but it doesn't mean in and of itself that you are a failure. It's just, uh, again, just a term of, of ignorance that, that really shouldn't even exist.
0: Well, it's interesting you bring that up because as being an entrepreneur for 30 plus years yourself, you've had many different and successful businesses. You had the online liquor store, an electronic store, real estate yep. developer. At one time you were a nightclub owner. But you do admit that you've had those monumental ups and downs. Let's not call them failures. Let's call them ups and downs. And you even sure. write about fighting depression. So what is the lesson? Does it come back to that acronym of the fear acronym? Is that how you've overcome those things?
1: The fact of the matter is when things don't go to plan, to some extent, it's, it's like a death. Something died. When you have something die in your life, whether it's a, a business or a person or a relationship or whatever it might be, that can impact you pretty hard. What I know to be true is we have a, a, a wide range of emotions uh, as human beings who walk this planet and, and many of us don't allow ourselves to feel that, that wide range of emotions. When things don't exactly go to plan, for many, it, it is a, a significant loss. And I've certainly experienced that. And being part of Gen X, you know, we've had tremendous loss, more so than almost any other generation before us and hopefully after us, from the standpoint of, you mentioned the, the online liquor store. Well, we launched on CompuServe's Electronic Mall in 1993. That company became liquor.com when i bought that domain in 1998 we had the s1 filed and we were ready to go public in march of 2000 that's when of course the you know the dot com bubble burst and we got caught up in that just like everyone else and 9 years of hard work you know right down the drain so i had to start over completely start over and then got into real estate development And ended up developing uh, over 50 odd million dollars of property, commercial, residential, office, and just different types of properties. And some of those projects did really, really well. uh, And others got caught up in the the next bubble, which was the real estate bubble. You know, a lot of people, including myself, got hammered in that real estate crash. Now, here we are in 2020, and we're facing uh, another, Really pivotal point in time where many, many, many people are going to suffer financially. A lot of people are going to, to suffer, of course, emotionally, and uh, unfortunately, even a fair number of people are going to lose their lives to this altogether. Mm-hmm. The God's honest truth is, it's hard. The older you get, the harder it is to to pick yourself up, you know, by the bootstraps and just say, "Look, we, you know, we got to keep going here." As as entrepreneurs, that's how we're we're wired. Fortunately, there are millions upon millions of people just like me who are wired in in similar ways and will do what we need to do here to to get things back up and, and running. I think ultimately, again, going back to your to your opening statement here around how your what has chosen you, it's not really that which you have chosen. That's where we're at right now, is no matter what we do, if we're wired to excel as an entrepreneur, we're gonna get back up on that horse and ride it.
0: Mm-hmm. I wanna go back to something you just touched on a moment ago about pivotal points in your life. And you had a wake up call at your uncle's funeral. What happened? Share the story of what sort of crossed your mind that day.
1: This was right after the real estate crash. So we're going back you know, about 10, 10, 12 years now already. So it was actually my, my stepfather who had raised me from the time I was 10. And, you know, he was very much a father to me, did whatever he could, the best he could to be a good father to me. You know, we were, we were somewhat close. He didn't learn how to be a, a great dad, just, I'm sure, based on what he experienced as a, as a son. But he did the best that he could. And we did have a, a close enough relationship over the years Unfortunately, uh, like everyone, we all meet our our maker at some point. He was in his final days of life after battling a sickness that had really consumed his body for years. I was bedside with him during those final uh, hours, and as I sat there, I was holding his hand. He could no longer communicate verbally, but I do think that he was able to communicate with me through that point of physical touch because I was sitting there holding his hand. I had actually a vision of my funeral, and I could hear the words being spoken graveside as I was in the coffin being lowered into the earth, and, and what I heard was it was a preacher or a rabbi or whoever it was at that point that was doing the service, basically saying something to the extent of, here lies Steve Olsher, he dedicated his life to chasing the almighty dollar, that's all that was said it hit me really hard because i do believe that my stepfather was trying to to show me kind of my inevitable fate there unless i changed course and did something different with my life and and as i said that was right around the time of the real estate crash and and it became very apparent to me that i could attempt to move forward and create a life that was of meaning to me and those closest to me and really no one else or I could try to create a life of meaning to me and those closest to me as well as those that I'm most compelled to serve. And that's the path that I chose. Mm.
0: I believe you call that the yay-no moment. Am I saying it correctly?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah so the yay-no
0: moment. And you, you talk about that we really have two choices, two directions that we can go when those pivotal moments happen. What are they?
1: Yeah, so a yay-no moment is, is my fancy way of saying yes, no. In the okay. book, uh, what is your what? We, we talk about the seven life-altering principles. So the principle of yay-no is one of those concepts. And basically, it just simply means that darn near every moment of every single day, we are faced with a fork in the road where we have the ability to say, yes, I'm going to do this or no, I'm not going to do this. So as an example, saying yes to you to doing this interview was a yay-no moment. Right? You invited me to do the interview. I sat there at that fork in the road the a yay no moment. And if I said yes, then you know, perhaps it would be the investment of you know, maybe an hour of my time or whatever it might be. Who knows, right? Maybe someone is listening to this episode right now, and they've been desperately trying to figure out you know, what to do with their life and just have been struggling to figure out how they're naturally wired to excel. Maybe they've been depressed. Maybe they've just had issues with just not loving their career. And they go out and they buy what is your what, and it changes their life. That is a massive ROI for me personally to know that I've impacted just even one person's life who is listening to this. Alternatively, of course, I could have said no, and I'm not going to invest an hour of my time. And therefore, someone who is literally waiting and praying for me to show up in their lives won't have the opportunity to to hear me, at least not through this channel anyway. And so the bottom line, as far as you know, moments are concerned is you want to be as aware as you possibly can of when you're faced with those you no" moments. And some of them are more obvious like this. Others are not so obvious, like how you breathe and how you sit in your chair and all of these moments of truth, as I call them, allow you to have a choice about the path that you forge. The idea is to stack up enough of the right Yano decisions in a row so that you do inevitably reach whatever that goal or objective is that you have identified for yourself. And ultimately, you can look back on your life and you can see the decisions that you've made that haven't always worked to your benefit. And you can see the decisions that you've looked back on in your life and have. The bottom line is the idea and the basic concept of these Yano moments. In a nutshell, it's a very long answer to your question. But the bottom line is a Yano moment allows the you of tomorrow to look back and give thanks to the you of today.
0: I love that. I really like that. And, and thank you for saying yes, by the way. <laughs> Besides your books and your reinvention workshops and coaching programs, you even have done a movie. You are also doing your Reinvention Radio podcast, Dismantling the Status Quo and Very exciting. In the recent months, you were founder and editor-in-chief of Podcast Magazine, which I'm subscribing to and have enjoyed reading. Let's talk about the podcast explosion. Why is this medium becoming so powerful, in your opinion?
1: It just boils down to that the the world needs your voice more now than perhaps ever. I became familiar with podcasting back in 2009, uh, and that is when I did my first podcast episode. Uh, given that Joe Rogan just sold out to Spotify for $100 million, I kind of wish I would have stayed the path, but that's a whole other discussion there. But I took gonna, some time.
0: I'm going to ask you that, but keep going.
1: <laughs> Go back to Joe. But I've been doing podcasting consistently, which just means releasing episodes on a consistent basis since 2015. And what I have always loved about the medium is that it allows pretty much anyone to reach well, almost anyone else on the planet at almost any time, literally through having their own radio station. As a former DJ in nightclubs and as a former radio DJ, I've always had a love for the, the medium of audio. And so when I first became familiar with the medium itself, I was like, yeah, this, this is definitely something that I could see myself digging into and really enjoying. And so I think that what you're seeing now in terms of the, the popularity and why there's been so much growth is largely attributable to the fact that technology has finally caught up to demand. From the standpoint of before, when I first started in the world of podcasting, if you wanted to create a podcast episode, it took a lot of time, it took a lot of energy, it took a lot of effort, it took a lot of production, and then uploading and RSSing, and all all this stuff that you had to do. And even on the flip side, it took a lot of steps, right? If you wanted to listen to a podcast, you had to go figure out where to get it. Then you had to get a podcatcher to grab it. Then you had to translate it into a different file. Then you had to put it into an iPod and like all of these steps. And, you know, I mean, the bottom line is if you weren't truly committed to either creating a podcast episode or listening to a podcast episode, then you probably didn't take the steps to do it. Today with the advancement of technology, you have the ability literally with just a click of a mouse, a push of a button to either listen to a show. if it's on your smartphone, you just push podcasts and there they are. Or if you're in a car, you know, you go to your dashboard and the, you got the Apple car plays and Google car plays. So you just push the dashboard and there they are. And of course, if you want to create a show, you can do it through anchor or any of the other one click media, you know, opportunities. And so anyway, the bottom line technology caught up to demand. And I think that's why we're starting to see such uh, such a, the explosion there.
0: Yeah. Right, let's get back to Joe Rogan for just a moment, because that made huge news right now about him basically going off the grid and going to Spotify. If you can in just a moment, what do you think about that?
1: The bottom line is it's a non-exclusive deal out of the gate. Uh, there will be exclusivity uh, at some point moving forward, not terribly far down the road. So what that means is if you want to hear Joe, you're going to end up having to go onto to Spotify to hear him. Now, if you want to hear Howard Stern, well, you have to go to SiriusXM to hear him, right? I mean, it's just, it's the nature of the game. It's the nature of of really trying to monopolize high level talent. And so in this case with Spotify, they understand that there are a certain number of people that will come over to that platform who aren't currently subscribers to Spotify. Now there's not gonna be any charge for it, but like I'm a perfect example, I'm not on Spotify in terms of uh, being a consumer. I don't go to Spotify to consume podcasts. It's not, it's not my platform of choice. So they understand quite clearly that there is money to be made in the numbers, right? And if they can pick up another 20 million users of Spotify that they don't currently have, that translates to a, a tremendous amount of money that they'll be able to generate through advertising and other, other channels as well. And, you know, if I'm Joe Rogan, I take the deal all day long. I mean, <laughs> why, why wouldn't you? you do exactly what you were doing? Those who are, who are true diehard fans are going to follow you to the other platform or they're going to check you out on YouTube or wherever it is. And uh, those that aren't diehard fans will find someone else to listen to. But, you know, at the end of the day, we all want to be compensated at the highest levels possible for what our talents are and our abilities are. And he's got every right to, to say yes to that sort of deal. And I'm, I'm glad he did.
0: It's pretty fascinating. And it, it just, it speaks again to what you were talking about a moment ago of, of the, the evolution, if you will, of the podcasting medium. And it's fascinating. I, I'm loving it. It's one of the reasons I wanted to jump on board was because I'm so passionate about sharing stories of reinvention and recreation and yeah. helping people move on in their next chapters to living their best life you know i want to teach i want to motivate i want to inspire and you're doing the same thing with your work with that in mind steve what does living your best life mean to you
1: by definition it means that there is such a thing what i am becoming more and more clear on is that the more and and i Turned 50 not too long ago. As someone who's now in in that second half, the idea of putting definitions on anything that takes place, labeling something as this is bad or this is good, this is best and this is better or this is worse is, is really an effort in futility because how I define what takes place in my in my life is really based on the the billions of data points that I have internalized since I was born and arguably from even before I was born. What I believe to be true, for all intents and purposes, is, is an illusion. And ultimately how I define good or bad or better or best is simply based on all of those inputs over the years. Is my experience more right than yours? Is yours more right than mine? In and of itself, asking the question means that it's possible for that to even exist. And what if everything that happens in this exact moment in fact reflects having that experience?
0: And I think what it means is, when I talk about living your best life, is are you being authentic to you? to your experiences, to your goals, your visions, thats it's about authenticity. And my authenticity may be different than your authenticity. Certainly our experiences are different, but yeah. whatever that means for us individually of how we want to carry forward with our life. And you could label it best, worst, whatever, but it's about really being that truth. And it comes back to where we started, which is identifying who you are and mm. what you bring to the world yeah. and what you give to the world and how you can help people with who you are.
1: And I get that. And so what if there is no truth? You know, I guess
0: we'll, we'll learn that on the other side maybe, I don't know.
1: <laughs> the point only being that to me the definition is having no definition. If you're quote unquote living your best life, it's without having the definition of what that actually means.
0: Fair enough. And folks, you can learn more about all of Steve's endeavors on his website, which is steveolsher.com. And that's Steve, S-T-E-V-E-O-L-S-H-E-R.com, including ordering his book, What Is Your What? And I'm reading it and I encourage everybody to do so as well. Steve, thank you so much for saying yes, first of all, on the yay, no equation, and sharing your gifts today of what your what is with all of us.
1: I appreciate you having me.
0: And thanks for tuning in, folks. I invite you to listen into to all of the episodes. May my guests inspire you to live your best life, whatever that means for you. Until next time, be well.
1: This podcast is brought to you in part by Fast Twitch Media helping people tell their stories and giving them worldwide reach the future is in the cloud and fast twitch media can take you there be your best digital self check out fasttwitchmedia.space